Hello, g'day, all you Wind Against Tiders out there. Massive show tonight. Sorry we're a little bit late, but we've been setting up our state-of-the-art studio. You might <laughs> notice this is some real crisp video going on here. It, it because certainly is, Dave. Old Moneybags over here has been out splashing <laughs> the cash. Have I now? No, he's been investing, and we've got a couple of, uh, we've, I think we've got like three high-definition SLR cameras recording the show. So, And we've also got some sick new lighting. Yeah. Um, but enough of the technical stuff. On tonight's show, we have a few tales of our week with the fishing. Um, I had a bit of a funny stuff up <laughs> when I went out fishing. Um, we've got lots of fishing reports coming through from our regular correspondents, um, a couple little discussion topics, um, and also um, we've got some audience input there at the end like we always do. Now, Adrian, we've been out uh, fishing this morning. Yes, welcome, Davey. Um, Thanks for welcoming me onto my own <laughs> podcast. Yeah, cheers. Spring, <laughs> spring is here. Winter's over. Oh, it feels so good, doesn't it? I've got a spring in my step, Dave, because it brings warm weather and, and definitely don't have a bold spring out of my pants because I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but the fishing is about to heat up. That's right. Um, we ducked out this morning yeah. um, in the Renegade. Much to my disgust, we weren't going big tuna fishing. <laughs> you, were, um, you were very upset about this because we know there's been a couple of barrels look, caught. It's going really good right and now. I said, you know what, Dave? I'm doing something different. It's cod or squid. How dare you? <laughs> I, I wasn't appreciative, but I did enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I do love my squid fishing. Um, so, yeah, but it did hurt a little bit when uh, – a big one came in today because yeah. I wished I was out there. But I think there was one or two caught today. Yeah, yeah. There might so. be a little confusion. might be the same fish. Well, that's all right. We like to mix it up. We do, we do. And Jonas just got back to us on the live um, chat here and he said, it's squid season. Forget about the tuna, Dave. Barrel squids. He loves his barrel squids. So we've got a bit of live interaction going here. That's good. And everyone's um, saying how fabulous we look. Nice and crisp and clean. Yeah, I mean... Bit scruffy and all that. Oh, you mean the uh, the the quality? Yeah, yeah. No, nah, it's looking good. Um, yeah. So if we want to um, go through our a quick little report from this morning, get that one out of the way. Yeah. Since it's a hot, it's a hot, hot off the press. It certainly is hot. Um, it's cold. I'm actually cold, but it's hot. Intel for everyone out there. So yeah, we went out this morning. Uh, literally, um, just hung around our our uh, home ramp, Stony Point. We certainly did. Um, out of the wind, sheltered there. Uh, probably one of our first proper efforts at squidding for it the was. year. It was, and I think we did quite well. We did do all right, Because we only Adrian. fished a couple of hours. And yeah, if you want to throw up to my computer there, there's a photo of you with a couple of big ceph dogs, a couple of cephalopods. Oh, wow. That's, that's a nice one. And then I've got this one here and me holding here. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, we started off slowly and sort of um, accumulated a few. And then uh, I decided I wanted to um, give up. And go and get a coffee. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you were you're fed up. And Adrian said, "Oh no, nah, we'll we'll uh, go and try this other spot at Stony Point, um, straight off the ramp, really." And we spot locked on on the edge there, and um, straight away we had. Yeah, Dave had eight. given up at this stage. He was just, I think, sitting down in the bottom of the boat, and I'm like, "I just need you to chuck that anchor down, my um, motor guide." And you didn't even do that for me, so I had to quickly do it. Didn't I? Because that edge off Stony, you can come. Really, you know, you come off that edge real quick if you're not quick enough to get your motor guide down. Yeah, it's not a big area where you drift through there, so you do want to be on the money. So ideally, you just as soon as you get to that edge, it just drops off to about five metres straight away and you want to lock onto that 
as it's coming down and generally the squid just school up on there and, and yeah. you're on. And that's exactly what happened. That's what you want to do when you're squid fishing for a quick little technical tip for everyone. Um, a lot of the time we're fishing on edges. So especially as that tide is pushing out of the system, the squid are waiting at the bottom of that drop-off ambushing. Yeah, squid are pretty dumb. They just lie on the bottom and they're, wait, they're for, wait for the current to push some bait around and and then they come up and go bang and you're That's on. right. Um, now... We use probably about um, two litres of fuel. <laughs> well, by the end of the trip, I think we used uh, 3.8 litres of fuel. Which and was a nice change from big tuna fishing, yeah. where we're using up to 200 litres of fuel. some days in your boat? I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> I've used 200 a couple of times this year. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, you still requested that I split with you. In fact, yeah. you took a little video here. I did, I did. Um, if we want to have a look at that. Yeah. Dave here. Now, I've used 3.8 litres of fuel, so generally we uh, split the fuel bill, so I'll be asking for $3.80 off Dave. You know I can't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David. Tough times at the moment, Adrian. It is, it is. And three, three, uh, 3.8 litres of fuel, that's bugger all in this day and age in fishing because we've been using minimum 100 litres every trip. Yeah, for, the la- it, for the last six months, basically. It does make for a nice little change, that's for sure. Um, and we did go in and we did have a nice little brekkie and, uh, and a hot coffee. Yeah, we had a sit-down breakfast. We did. <laughs> it was very romantic. Just me and Adrian. Um, yeah, so a good successful trip there. Um, I think that's the only trip you've done recently. Um, in a couple of weeks, because the last trip I did, I think we ended up doing like 200 and 60 kilometres in my 420 Renegade for nothing, just sightseeing. So it was good to just relax, throw some uh, baits in the water and and chuck some squid jigs and it was beautiful. Yeah, it would have been nice. Um, I got out on the weekend. Yeah, you did. So quite a momentous occasion. I took um, my little boy, he's not even eight months yet, and we got him a, fitted up with a life jacket and took him out on the boat for the first time. And how did that go, Dave? What did you take out of that, taking your little one out? Um... I, he had a ball. He had a ball. And I really think um, it doesn't hurt to just get them used to, like, so they're not, like, stressed about the boat moving and whatnot. Like, he was having a ball. Yeah. He loved when the boat was moving. Um, but, yeah, I think the quicker that you get them, um, like, interacting with the marine environment and on the boat, the the quicker, the more they'll get used to it and it won't be a big deal to them. So. Yeah, so you've worked out the stresses and what will make it easier next well, time. Well, I think, yeah, just... Um, yeah, just keep the trip sh- short, obviously, which is what we did. We just did a quick little squid drift. Yeah. Um, one thing, did, you, on, did you go on the plane with the little one? Or yeah, did you just plough through the water so you didn't get any bumps? Or No, no, no. We got up and going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a quick little video of him. It's the first, very first time, this is a video of him when the I took off with the boat. He's never been on a moving boat before. Yeah. But he does look out the window at home all the time looking at the boat. <laughs> okay. So he's probably like, oh, that's, so that's what that does. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, we'll chuck that one on. Yeah. Oh, look at him. He is a little cute. Having fun? Bubba just kicking his legs, smiling away here. Good boy. So that's us just going for a quick cruise. Um, yeah, so now he absolutely loved it. So one thing I did find was that... Um, yeah, once we um, we had him on the floor on his playmat and he got a little bit seasick there. But <laughs> once you get him up on an elevated thing platform and he can see what's going on, he had yeah. a ball. So. Well, you know, any kid between zero and one-year-old 
um, throw up quite frequently from anything. So yeah, I know that's it. Can so. happen anytime. So what what kind of tips can you give people who want to take the young one out on the boat? Um, well, obviously some of this is from what I've observed over the years, but you don't want to take your kids on your big rough offshore trip straight away. <laughs> you don't. No, you want to give them plenty of action. Yep. Um, so start them small, garfish, yakas, that sort of thing, squid, yep. um, highly active. Start from the basics, you reckon? That's right. Um, and um, did I already say short trips? Yeah, short Gary trips. Said that, yeah. Short and sweet, I reckon. And obviously just keep bring lots of snackies. Lots and of snacks. stuff to keep them entertained. Yeah, <laughs> very um, good. But yeah, and I, I want him uh, to sort of work his way up anyway. I don't want to take him out and catch big fish until he's sort of like – moved through the, the species and had the full experience because if he goes out and, like, just catches big stuff off the back of me, <laughs> then he's not going to really appreciate it. So you want him to work for his game fish? Yeah, you don't sure. want him to just come on a boat and wind in a fish? No, no, no. you got to build that that story like we had. I mean, yeah. I, we, I started off, you know, catching toadfish off the beach. Yeah. And then, Absolutely. obviously, you become a jetty rat and then you, you get a boat or a tinny or a kayak or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you're um, out in the big blue chasing the big stuff. Oh, absolutely. Dreaming big. But not everyone likes to go that path. Some no. people love just chasing snapper year in, year out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, some people love just chasing the game stuff. Yeah, that's right. So, anyway, it's up to him. He might not want to come at all. But, um, yeah, so we've just started that journey a little bit with Sammy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also went fishing the next day with my brother. Oh, we got the big gear out. <laughs> you got the big gear out with your brother. Now, the trip started off a little bit average. Mm-hmm. Put the boat in, we'll and park the car, and uh, yep, we're ready, we're off we go. And I think, here we go. <laughs> Get halfway out the channel to Stony, and Will's like, Dave, there's a lot of water in the boat. Oh, what? You um, had water in your boat? <laughs> so over the, um, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Bilge. Yep. Uh, starting to flood onto the deck oh, of the Hayden craft. That's crazy. And um, I'm like, oh, shit. Anyway, <laughs> luckily we've got some good bilges in that boat and they'll put the bilges on. They start pumping the water out quicker than it's coming in. Yeah. Did the uh, the full, full ball U-turn back up to the um, ramp. Yeah. Now, what you don't want to do in this situation is pull the boat out make a big scene and everyone see water gushing out your, <laughs> <laughs> out the You don't want to get out of my way. I need that ramp. So I just did the old dock it again yep. and uh, lie down and uh, reach down, put the bung in while it's in the water, uh, build the rest yeah. out and away we go. You did a secret one. Secret one. Uh, a little sneaky. Because we have uh, been caught out without the build before in... <laughs> certain someone's tinny. That's right. I've had to beach the boat. At Flinders. Yes. Lucky both these locations weren't like real busy. Yeah. So you kind of got away with it. But um, yeah, it's it's funny. Like it's like my first reaction is, oh shit, like, that can't be my fault. I never leave the, the bung out. I'm like, oh, it's like falling out or something. And Will's like, oh, that's weird. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like secretly, like I'm thinking because I went out with Maddie and Sam the day before, I must have just been thinking, oh, yeah, I've left the boat ready to go. Yeah. So I didn't worry about it because normally that's the first thing I do is put the bung in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in my panic, I'm like, no, nah, that can't be my fault. So I just managed to convince myself and tried to convince Will during the day that it, uh, some freak accidents happened because I couldn't actually find the, the second – that bung anywhere. I've, so I put the spare one in the boat. Oh. So I was thinking, well, that is weird because there is a bung missing. Okay. Um, and, yeah – 
by the end of the day, I managed to sort of convince myself that it wasn't my fault. But yeah, cleaning the boat and uh, what do I find? But <laughs> that other bunk. <laughs> oh, so day. I, I couldn't blame anyone but myself. I think that's just humans in general. They like to point the finger at someone else. Yeah, yeah. Until they confirm it. that they've, they're the one done it. And when they admit that they've done it, they don't admit. They just slowly let it leak out a yeah, few months um, later. Oh, you remember that time? Yeah. I suppose it's possible <laughs> that I could have forgotten to put it in. Yeah, that could have happened. Yeah. Oh, Dave. <laughs> so good start to the morning there, nearly yep. sinking the Edencraft. But luckily she's uh, she's got a lot of po- positive buoyancy, that boat, Adrian. So yep. probably pretty safe. Well, it is in survey, so I don't think you can sink that boat. No. Gave it a try, though. Yeah. Um, would have been a bad start to the morning. Oh, absolutely. But um, I said to Will and the Arvo, probably would have been good if we sunk because it would have stopped us going out in the ocean and wasting our time for the whole mm. day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did go out there, drove around. Um, there was fish caught that day, um, big tuna, but we just missed the action. Um, but we did, Mark, if you chuck it on my laptop, I'll show you one of the soundings we had. So we did oh, find wow. them. Yeah, we did find them. Um, and there's another one. So Jeez, a big a nice one on snapper. the bait down deep. Yeah, yeah. So they were in the vicinity. They're still around. But um, that was a, another fail of a trip on yep. the big tuna. Okay. Another failure. Yeah. But there haven't been too many out there this year. Failures? Yeah. There's been a couple. Yeah, a couple. Much less than you'd expect normally. The ratio compared to other years. Um, we've done quite well this year. We have done pretty well. Um, and I'd like to keep going, but... You, I might have to get some new crew because I think you've declared it over, haven't you? <laughs> no, well, that's all I've been doing for the last kind of, I guess, 10 months, basically. Yeah. Basically basically since March, we've been out there looking. And, yeah, you kind of go, okay, that's enough. It's time to do something different. And that's what we did today. I'm like, I need to go break it up. We go didn't really have fishing. a full day today anyway. No, we just fished the tide change. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, we just kind of fish the tide change, and usually to the tide change, that's when the wind starts. What's your theory on this, by the way, Dave? Tide changes and wind changes? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it just happens very frequently, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but what is... Because a lot of people just say that's when you notice it because you stop moving. But No, you often do find on a tide change the wind swings or increases or something like that. Yeah. Um, no, no idea why it does. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just not thought a, I'd not ask a meteorologist. Because... because um, I had a conversation with Andrew and Tony about this, and Tony agreed with me that it happens. At the, and Andrew goes, "Ah, oh, that's just a theory, you know. It's because you're noticing it because you're packing up." And nah, it definitely does. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems to anyway. Um, yeah. Might just be coincidence, but now I want you to watch this video, Adrian. Yep. What do you got? And tell me your thoughts on this. Here's a question for everyone. This is where I parked the last remaining spot. Only problem is significant car overhang. Okay, so your car's overhanging and you're in the last spot. Around, but yeah, I did leave it there and I thought, nah, so I'm going to move it. But what do you guys reckon? Would you move it? So putting that question out to all wind against tide is there. There's a bit of boat ramp etiquette going on. It was very busy on the Saturday. And there was one spot there and nobody was game to take it because it was hard to get into. Um, yeah, it looks like you put some effort into actually it, reversing that in there. I was quite pleased with being able to get that big trailer in there. And um, when I realised there was such a large overhang, I thought, oh, God, I've, <laughs> I have a feeling I know what you would have done. 
<laughs> what would I do, Dave? What would you have done? You tell me, Adrian. I think I know. I probably would have just rammed my car in there and left it. And <laughs> you would have walked away and left it. Well, I think if someone hit me, I'm not at wrong because I'm stationary. Okay. It doesn't matter if I'm parked illegally or not. Yeah. So It's more yeah. the inconvenience of it being a bit hard for people to get around. They could get around it, but I feel like, yeah, you know what people like. I don't even think my car and trailer would have fit, fit, fitted in that uh, allocated spot. I don't know why they've got those micro parks there. It's like a bit of an afterthought. But, mm. yeah, give us your thoughts on that, uh, Windy Tiders. What would you have done? Would you have uh, moved uh, the car like I did? Or, or would you been have obnoxious and just parked there? Used hyper-arrogance like Adrian and just left <laughs> it there. <laughs> but Bo's saying that would be a stingray act, Dave. Yeah, that's Move, what I reckon. Moving the car would be a stingray act. Oh, wouldn't it? <laughs> nah, nah. nah, Bo agrees with me. Yeah, he does. He agrees, he, he agrees that I shouldn't have left it there. <laughs> yeah, um, basically. So, yeah. Love to hear everyone's thoughts about that one. Okay, well... I don't know what to say about that because I would have just left my car there. Yeah, I know. That's why I thought I'd take that video and get your thoughts on it. Keter Production said he would have left it, so that's 1-1. One, one. Yeah, okay. If you include us, that's 2-all. <laughs> Good to know. Now, you know how there's been like heaps of uh, whales out and about? Oh, yes, the whales. Yes, this What's season. been happening with the whales this season? Well, I found this little video I thought would be... Very cool viewing. You know yeah. how we tag a lot of stuff? Yeah. Um, big tuner and whatnot. Yeah. I've found a new sport for us. And you've got a drone and you love your drone flying at the yeah. moment. I think we've got to try this. Okay. Really highly illegal, but let's do it. Have a look at this. Oh, yeah. This is the one <laughs> I was talking about to you. How they um, tag the um, blue whales. Look at the size of that yeah. thing. So, but this is for science. What these guys are doing here—they're they're using this hyper mega drone to drop this really expensive satellite tag on a blue whale, probably in the uh, Indian Ocean somewhere. Who gets that fun job, though? Yeah, I—I I have no idea. It looks amazing. Um, I'd love to do that. Imagine missing the whale because <laughs> <laughs> maybe the thing floats. Well, I don't know. It'd be some heavy thing because it's got a—it like obviously got it's top heavy, so it the spike lands onto the whale and. That's right. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool footage. It's insane um, footage. I could imagine you having a crack at that one, Adrian. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Bo, Bo's come back with you and he goes, bottom feeders, I've dragged a trailer out of the way and let their tyres down in oh, Ocean Jesus. Grove. Oh, shit. Really? That's full that's on. That's hectic, Bo. He's let their tyres down and dragged the trailer. Oh, I, I suppose that they're being obnoxious and blocking everyone out. You know, out of the way. I guess that's a sensible thing to do, Bo. You so know, well, you'd almost call way. that vindictive. Yeah, I just started playing our own video. Sorry, <laughs> that's all right. Vind- vindictive. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, okay. So, we, you know, who went fishing today, Adrian? A man that we haven't had on the podcast for some time. Who went fishing today? <laughs> our, our good mate Brendan Wing. Oh he's, yes, he's come out of retirement. He's been talking what? about this. He's been ramping up this fishing trip. For about a week and a half, I reckon. This is his big re-entry into the fishing world. Yeah. He's come out of retirement. Now, what sort of fishing destinations do you think well, he would have come I, up with for his I, glorious return? I believe he was watching Joey in his Thailand exotic um, pond trout farm, I guess, and it's given him an idea. <laughs> <laughs> he thought that looked like he could uh, replicate that closer to home? Yeah, I think so. That so, may be the case. Now, uh, maybe the Casey. 
it may be the Casey Fields. <laughs> so um, approaching the school holidays, what Vic Fisheries do is they stock a lot of these residential lakes with um, trout. They do. Which I think is what the the, the DELP is trying to prevent, isn't it? There was well, a thing about DELP stopping fishing in some of the local... I have no idea what happened with that. Maybe it was just someone, some Karen complained about it and the DELP had to share it because yeah, they've got to know. show both point of views or multiple points and that's what they came across for that particular week, I guess. Anyway, we talked about that recently, but yeah, so they've put all these ex... I think they've put the big ex brood stock in, haven't they, from some of the trout hatcheries? I believe they're up to six kilo and a lot of them are around that five kilo... Average average weight, I guess. So that's right. Now they're put in there for kids who don't have a lot of access to um, oceans or wild Boats, fish. Yeah, that's right. And uh, they, you know, they they're not able to climb up mountains and fish these wild brown trout streams. That's right. They're on their <laughs> school holidays. Mum and dad are at work. They can walk down to their local pond, and yeah. cast in a bait, and be a chance of a proper big fish. Yeah, they're not put in there for fifty-year-old <laughs> fishing presenters. <laughs> <laughs> who have globetrotted around the world catching giant fish their whole life. Now, we can probably call out a few other people that were here today as well. We can. That. Now, there was another man by the name of Mitch Chapman who, who may be watching the live stream. Also, I heard was spotted down there. Oh, oh Mitchie was there too. <laughs> With another friend of ours, Blackie. Yeah. Um, now, apparently, yeah, so the guys went down there to catch these big, um, these big breeding trout um, and... Would you believe it? I don't think anyone actually... Oh, no, I think Mitch got one. Oh. But I heard that Brendan may have struggled, Adrian. <laughs> so so Mitch got a trout. That's Mi- right. Mitch is a kind of guy who can go fishing anywhere, anytime, and he's going to walk away with a fish. He'd catch a fish out you, of the You'd puddle. trust him to catch a fish. That's right. So he caught a fish, and, and what did Brendan catch? Because <laughs> there was a hilarious voice message that came across our phones today. Well... He might have caught pneumonia. <laughs> he went down there and apparently he thought, give himself the upper hand, he'd wade out a little bit past because there was a lot of weeds near the bank yeah. of this Casey Fields pond. So he waded out. So he's, he's pretending he's in the wild. He's fly fishing. He's knee deep. <laughs> <laughs> now this water would probably have to be around 11, 12 degrees, you'd think. Possibly. Because that's what, well, that's what um, the bay in the ocean is right now. It's about 12 degrees. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, it could be warmer, little pond. Anyway, very cold. So he's waded out there and apparently he's um, gone all in and he said he went past ball height, Adrian. Oh. So he's put his... He's gone up to his balls. Put his life on the line. <laughs> and then That's he what we're talking about. Spring is in the air. He's balls deep. <laughs> he's gone balls deep. <laughs> and apparently he's gone a little bit further. Just yeah. trying to get a little bit further cast out there and uh, there's a bit of a drop-off. Oh. And he went in the drink. Oh, no. What? He actually, f- like, fell in the water? Fully in the water. Oh, dear. Death rolling. Fully clothed. Death rolling around like a crocodile. Oh, and I assume he wouldn't have taken his shoes off either. No, no. He, he would have been very underdressed for the occasion too. Yeah. So if anyone was down at uh, Casey Fields today having a bit of a flick <laughs> and you saw a, a man uh, frolicking around in the water, that's what, <laughs> what that was. Brendan Once a land mammal, now a sea mammal. That's right. <laughs> So yeah, keep your, keep an eye on uh, you fish TV for that one. It might. Uh, was it all filmed? You <laughs> I don't know. I hope it. He was. would have had his GoPro on his head. I would love to see it. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so keep an eye out for that one. Uh, obviously, Brendan's back out, and there'll be some stuff going up on the on Newfish shortly for everyone who's been asking about that. Um, actually, cracked over three hundred thousand subscribers. Oh, congratulations, guys! That's yeah, well, a that's, huge feat. You know what? That is a, a bit of all of us. You know, three hundred k. Mostly me and you, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that will be happening. That page, that channel, will be uh, firing up again. I'm told. Oh, there you go. Um, and we'll keep, we'll keep uh, helping out with that one as well as this yep. channel. And stay tuned. There'll be a squid episode coming up possibly this weekend. So There will be once we get that edited up. Yeah. And I've still got Joey's uh, super fantastic Thailand adventures. Yeah. And probably some fishing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> some um, ping pong shows. I've still got Joey's, uh, yeah, we got his uncut GoPro, guys. So <laughs> we're going to slip that in there. He kept it recording the whole trip. Yeah. There was um, turtles, there was birds. I can't remember what else came out. But. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to edit that up and, and get it up hopefully maybe end of the week-ish. Beautiful. We'll see what happens there, but keep an eye out for that one. Um, I got There was another video sent through to me. Oh, you got a video sent here. So we're watching and reviewing people's videos now, are we? Wow, we're doing a little bit of Wind Against Tide reacting again. Oh, here we go. Should I put but, the reaction screen up? Yeah, you can. I think this is a cool one to say because a few people sent it to me, but um, we've had a few experiences a little bit like this, but not ended up this close of an encounter. Okay, this is my first time seeing this. Oh, that's a that's a Marco in the boat. Beware of swear words here, people. So that's about 30 foot behind the boat. Oh, my goodness. Now it's in the boat. <laughs> oh, so there's a Mako on the deck of the boat and everyone's just hightailed it out. That's right. Now, Makos are um, very acrobatic when you hook them. We know that. Um, and it made me think about some of the interactions we've had with Makos over the year, years, Adrian. Yeah. Because they can be quite inquisitive. They absolutely can, can't they? They can be. Uh, I think we've had a couple. Uh, oh, one in Eden in particular. Oh, yes. One that- half of Brendan's boat. Yeah. I've actually had a similar scenario to what happened just then, so... One day, me and Scott Henning, we launched out of Inverloch over the bar and made our way to Cody Bank. And we were um, just drifting for Mako's all day. And we got about a 20 kilo one that came <laughs> at the back of the boat. Oh, and we, a little puppy. Yeah, we, maybe, maybe 20, 25, little one. And, and we got to the side of the boat and I gaffed it and I go, oh, it's only little, we'll be right, we'll just bring it in. And next minute, we get it on the deck and this thing is absolutely going crazy. Me and Scott had just jumped up on the gunnels watching this thing go crazy and its teeth are just You brought a live Mako on your boat. Yeah, because I'm just like, it's just a little one. Like, <laughs> and I said to Scott, never again am I bringing a live shark on the boat. Not, yeah, not until words. Not until you experience it, it, it makes you think about it because these things just thrash about and they go absolutely mental. These things are a, a predator of the ocean, basically. They're they not going to give up. They do need to be respected, those things. That reminds me, I've got a few Mako stories, but um, and we won't crap on about that too long, but um, there's one that I wasn't even there for that really makes me laugh was my mate Reese Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> you know Reese. Yeah, He's Reece. a larrikin. Yeah. He's, he's a, a funny bugger. He's a funny man. He had this thing going on where he was a real groundbreaker. He caught a few Mako's middle of the, of the winter off Western Port. Yeah. This was back when we didn't really have tuna or anything, so they were like the peak game fish of the area um, and people generally only caught them in summer. Yeah. So he went out middle of winter 
and he did this a few times. He actually caught a few makos. Oh, wow. But he did the same thing, just pulled one live onto the boat. <laughs> and he showed me the pants he was wearing that day. Now, the tracksuit pants he was wearing had a mako bite out of the leg. You're kidding. So it's bitten that close to his leg that it has taken a chunk out of the material and just missed his leg. So he could have had this giant shark laceration in his leg, but somehow he's wearing baggy trackies and it's not touched his skin at all. Very, very lucky indeed. That is super lucky. That's right. He's kissed on the dick because it can go sour quite quick out there. Oh, it could, yeah. That's that's um, That's how accidents happen. Um, and yeah, I've had a couple uh, come up and obviously attack the boat and whatnot. Um, especially, there's actually a, it's on Yearfish, man. Tom and I think Reese was there again. Had one come up and um, it was about eight pm. We'd been drifting all day, and uh, this big angry fired up Mako came up and just latched onto the back of the boat out of nowhere, um, which was pretty cool to see. And um, then we threw it a bait, hooked it, and. Um, yeah, it didn't actually do that much once it was hooked. It used all its energy <laughs> trying to harass us at the start. But, um, yeah. but these things can go for hours, these sharks. Yeah, I think it depends. Like um, if you hook them deep with a J-hook, um, they can be slugs. Yeah. Um, so I think using circles is great for the sport and also gives you the option to release them. Okay. I found the corner of the jaw hook ones tend to play up a lot more. Um, like I, I especially noticed that at Birmingham, you know how you – you hook a lot of them when you're, you're slow trolling live baits for marlin. Yeah. Found the ones hooked on those circle hooks performed really well. And yeah, with just 200 pound leader. It's insane how you can keep them and on. And you keep them on. Yeah. yeah. When you don't want to keep them on, they stay on. But you can't you can't keep a school shark on in Western Port, can you? <laughs> well, not often. Only when you're snapper fishing with a King Kong, Donkey Kong, Suraj. Oh, yeah. And... Um, Anyway, that, um, <laughs> people won't know what we're referring to there. But, yeah, school sharks, got razor-sharp teeth, can be hard to keep on the line. And uh, every now and then we uh, actually manage to land one. Yeah, so um, yeah, the school uh, we shark. Back? Yeah, we're back. So. Now, uh, <laughs> I know you thought we might just try and join this back together seamlessly, but I think it's just funny <laughs> if we talk about how you just knocked us off the air. Yeah, I certainly did. I knocked us off. So you reckon we're actually back? Yeah, now we're back. Awesome. We are back. Hopefully everyone gets back on the live feed and yes. carries on. Sorry about the live stream uh, stuff up here. I've, I've closed the browser and I've tried to go back in and it doesn't let you do it like that. So we had to start a new one. You know what was great though? It gave me a second to just have a little mid-podcast restroom break, which we don't really get to do very often. Ah, uh, yes, I can see that it's there. And yep. We're back up and running. I can confirm we're back on the air. Oh, very good. All right, so what we're going to do for the audio version of this is we'll uh, edit that because there's about 15 minutes of us panicking there. <laughs> there certainly is. It was quite funny. I didn't know what to do, so I just kept padding for airtime and then I thought to myself, actually, there's no point in doing that right now. <laughs> anyway, I think we were talking about mako sharks and biting us and stuff like that. We certainly were. Boat damage, but... We're just saying how well they can hook themselves on marlin gear on a um, circle hook and basically you can't do that in Western Port because a school shark would just rip you off straight away. Yeah, yeah. All right, now everyone's back up to speed. Have we got people back on the live? Yeah, they're slowly coming back on. Sorry, Sorry guys. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Um, anyway, we're back now. So the next thing we were going to do is um, go through some of our reports. So I don't know if we want to do that now or wait until we get a few more people back on the feed, Adrian. Oh, it doesn't matter. We can do it now. Let's just bloody go for it, mate. 
Welcome to the hookup. Yes, it's that time of night where we delve into the reports coming in from around the globe, uh, mostly within our little part of the nation, but some uh, very interesting stuff happening. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> our main man, Simon Webster, has sent in the Gippy report to start off with. Um, so we'll go through that one. Uh, so he's sent in the last week has seen many local offshore fishers venturing out of the lakes, bar crossing both pinkies and gummy shark, uh, chasing both pinkies and gummy shark. Sorry. The usual venues, both east and west saw gummies landed between 10 and 15 kilos. Nice fish indeed. These fish taking fresh fillet baits and live barracuda. Live baits for gummies, Adrian. That's interesting. Yeah. That's something I wouldn't do. No, you don't see that too often. I usually consider them as like bottom-dwelling <laughs> like scavengers. Bottom-dwelling pests. Sort of thing, yeah. Um, but that's cool. Uh, the Nicholson River saw some nice fish landed through the weekend with fresh sandworm proving deadly as a bait as well as the soft plastics and crankbaits. I've not heard of any monsters but nice solid fish the rivers have been fluctuating with dirty flood water making it tough. Quite a bit of salmon activity in close to the beach, west of the lakes bar as well, so expect the land-based beach fishers to start having success. River levels have made fishing for bass in the upper reaches very tough, with most anglers waiting for the snow melt to finish up. Oh, yes. You know the snow, snow melt? melt? Yeah, you know the snow melt. Scrub worms, an excellent bait if you can find them. Large schools of small yellow-eyed mullet in Painesville currently providing fun for the kids off jetties. Lake tyres remains open with brim and flathead still being caught in the Nowa arm. Talk of a few EPs at Bem River turning up also. Cape Conroe continues to produce gummies last weekend with a few Bansdale locals doing well in good conditions. That's it for now. P.S. Send some barrels through the lakes. And there's a picture... You got a picture, do you, Dave? Oh, from wow. Simon of a nice gummy that they caught. It's a nice gummy. Now, um, I don't know if Simon wants me <laughs> airing this, but he had a very large amount of wildlife activity off Lake's entrance, which prompted him to actually have a bit of a troll around there with the big gear. So okay. And how did he go, Dave? He didn't turn up anything, but uh, the chance of big bluefin coming through there, I think, is very high. So yeah. it'd be cool to see that open up a little bit more as a fishery too. Um, There's just so much bluefin around this year. There is. I mean, they're just – like they're just going to be everywhere that you think they might be. It's just a matter of going out there and having a look, I think. So, yeah, very good report there from Simon as always. Um, We did get one through from Jonah as well. Oh, yes, our Tasmanian correspondent. What's Dr Jonah come up with this week? Because I believe he's got a report on his boat. Is oh, yeah, do we want to talk about that a little bit? Well, he sent through a photo of his boat, didn't he? He did. Um, so Jonah, as people are probably aware, I'm just looking for the photo, Adrian, uh, owns my old boat, the Cuda Craft Gunshot. It's a bloody weapon of a there boat. There it is. Got her up. <clears throat> if you want to f- flick to that one. It's a nice grainy image. Um, but you might notice if you, you know that boat that, that it used to have a Suzuki on the back. A 175 Suzuki. Jonah has given her a big upgrade and he he's has. chucked a 225 V6 Mercury on there. 
That thing would absolutely fly. What speeds did you get up to, Dave? Now, when I used to own that boat, it did about 75. 72, I remember getting onto it with you. No, no, she did fast on that, mate. 75. I reckon about 75. Robbed you of a couple of Ks. Yeah, rude. Which is pretty quick. Now. Uh, Quick enough. Now we are seeing on initial testing from Jonah, uh, about about 90 kilometers an hour. (laughs) <laughs> That's insane for such a small boat. So you can see it's basically a large motor attached to a small boat there. Um, and that's without playing with props or anything like that or engine height. So I reckon it's probably got a little bit more in it. But, yeah, very cool to see that boat get a new lease of life. Um, be interesting to see how quick he can get it. And he, by the sounds of it, it's kind of improved the boat's performance a bit because it's much more punchy, Yeah, which is what we found putting the Merc on the Edencraft as well. So... Um, very cool. Yeah, talk is good. You want talk. Yeah, there's never a, you, you never complain about having a lot of power, do you? No. Um, Especially so, on the talk side of things. I think you'd rather have more punch than more top speed. Well, that's right. If you're ever in a situation where you've got a, a bar crossing or, you know, large following sea or any sea at all, you want that punchy talk to be able to push through the sea and... You know, so you're, you've got ultimate control. So I think a very good inclusion to that vessel there from Jonah. But he has sent through a report, Adrian. Oh, he's actually got a report as well. So here we go. School bluefin still getting caught out of Eaglehawk Neck with the Hippolyte rocks being the main hotspots. No big fish have been caught now for a few weeks. Striped Trumpeter were the highlight of the weekend once again with the season closing yesterday. With calm weather over the weekend, many anglers ventured out to have one last crack at these delicious bottom dwellers. Eaglehawk Neck, the Friars off the bottom of Bruni Island and Pedra Branca all fish well with some good fish landed in the 6 to 8 kilo size range. One standout was a monster 15 kilo model which was caught at Pedra, which I do have a photo of here. Oh, get it up in big big mode. There you go. Oh, that's um, a bloody big fish. <clears throat> that's a monster in it. Which I've was never caught, seen a trumpeter caught that big. That's bloody huge. It's more of an oboe. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, me. Uh, which was, so that was called at Pedro Branca. Can you play that? Now do you know the you know the history of Pedro Branca? No, gives, very remote, gives very rough it, spot. I, I believe a scientist lived on it or something. Now, if you ever want to rate a cool. Thing to read up, um, look up Pedra Branca, um, and there was these scientists that actually tried to camp on there overnight, and um, I think they were studying the bird life or something. And now, if I quote try and quote numbers, they're going to be wrong because I've forgotten the story. But basically, they got washed off that rock, and there was something like forty meters in the air, I believe. Could have yeah, made that up, I've but heard, it was very high. I've up. heard of waves going sixty meters in that area, so it sees. Gigantic seas out there. Well, basically, it's between Tasmania and Antarctica, and you just get rough, wild weather coming from the Antarctic, and it just destroys that place. That's right. So, um, yeah, so that's hence why the fishing's quite well protected down there because not a lot of, doesn't see a lot of pressure. Um, So, Jonah continues. In short, the squid have just started to move over the seagrass beds, which is what we found here. I had a good session on Saturday nabbing my bag easily and releasing a few. Most were 30 centimetre hooders and under with only one hitting the 40 centimetre mark. 
Oh, okay. We so beat him. We outfished him. That's all that really matters, <laughs> isn't it? Sorry, Jonah. If, you, if you're listening, write a comment and tell us how good you are. Most did not have eggs or sperm sacs, so they may not have started to spawn yet. Now, mm. trust classic Jonah the scientist to uh, dissect these animals <laughs> and see which ones are male, which ones got eggs, which ones got sperm. But I just think he takes quite an interest in sperm in general. <laughs> um, I found um, a fish, you know, yeah. being a scientist, uh, just really likes his sperm. <laughs> so he says the black magic squid snatcher, three point five jig in Lumo green, which is what kind of what you were using today, but in Shimano's yeah, version. Mine's a Shimano Clinch, uh, ripe <laughs> banana or something. <laughs> That's not what it's called. <laughs> What's it called then? I don't know. That's what we've named it. Ah. Um, he was also able to get down to the squid grounds at breakneck speeds thanks to his new motor. So <laughs> he would have basically felt like he was the man with the largest penis in the world. That day? Well, I dare say he's got the quickest 17-foot boat in Tasmania. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, 90k an hour. That's so you s- sent through a little photo of the jig he was using. Tried to do as much product placement as he can with a Blackmagic tag there as well. Like he's he's oversaturated a, and overexposed that photo. He's got a Blackmagic tag for the net and a Blackmagic squid jig. Blackmagic, Blackmagic. There you go, Jonah. Where's the Happy black with that? Ma- magic towel there, Dave? I didn't see a towel. Only, only the real guns get the little towels <laughs> sent to them, like, Mem- like Memphis yeah. <laughs> used to used to rock back in the day. So yeah, he's just sent through a few photos of those squid, um, and he's had a bloody good first hit out in his uh, new engine there. Yeah, it sounds fantastic that motor. Yeah, no, it'll be um, for me. It would be very interesting to jump on and have a ride about having obviously. And you as well, known its performance beforehand, being able to see the the change of um, performance would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so locally, we have had a few more big bluefin, as we've already discussed. It's the best season of all time, Adrian, I'm calling it. It absolutely is. And it's I, just crazy. I think I mentioned it was the best season in April and you're very hesitant to agree with well, me. Well, you went then. an early call. Because yeah, I'm... A predictor. You fluked it, mate. <laughs> I fluked it. Well, there's been previous years where it's gone absolutely nuts this time of year. Yeah. It might not have it might have petered out ages ago. Well it hasn't, so Dave. So. Having viewed I'm, I'm basically the Notre Damas when it comes to calling when a fish species is gonna go good or not. And you just make a lot of big calls, I'd say. You gotta make Much some big like calls. today when we were squid fishing. Yeah. There's a lot of pretend hookups happening, <laughs> I noticed. A yes. lot of a lot of uh planet earth hooking. Oh yeah. Yeah, when you hook the bottom and you haven't been squid fishing for a long time and the boat's drifting along, you go, hang on, I'm on a squid here. Because often uh, when your bait's just hanging down there, a big squid will just hold onto it and it'll feel like a clump of weed. So you can either call it a squid or a weed and it can trick you sometimes. That's and right. Dave was giving it to me about hooking the bottom and literally about five minutes later... He does exactly the same thing. Well, I don't think I was as de- definite about it as you. <laughs> no, but the fact that you queried it and go, oh, I'm on a squid here. No, I think Is I said, oh, am I on? Oh, no, I think it's the bottom. But anyway, I did say to you, <laughs> I, I believe the, uh, the the feeling of hooking planet Earth, a stationary object, <laughs> is quite different to one of hooking a large squid. That is true. So beware the false call when squid fishing. Um, where was I? Local. Yeah, so we've got those big tuna. Um, I'll chuck up a photo of the one caught today because I think it was a really nice fish. So there you go. Oh, wow. 
So these are local guys. Um, What's that? 105.8. 105.8 on a Lumo board head, which I believe the angler made himself. So that's pretty cool. Using Ch- your own Chaps lures. Using your own lure to catch a drained fish. So well done there, boys. Um, that amongst other ones have been coming in lately. Uh, I believe Andrew Page and the boys have been busy being waymasters. They certainly have. I think they're getting a call like every second day to weigh a fish in. I know. Who would have thought this would be happening in uh, in our part of the world um, a few years ago? But, yeah, very cool. Uh, as we've already covered, the squid are just starting to fire up. If you can find the right area, those spawning squid are there aggregating. Now, we only covered maybe 10 kilometres today. And Tiny we, bit. And we caught them in two out of the three areas that we tried. Yeah, what I would say is the ones that we got initially, the small ones, were probably your, your non-spawning dogs. Um, and then the pack of big ones we found at the end were behaving more like they do when they're in spawning mode when you get multiple ones following mm. each other up. So it pays just to move around a little bit and um, you can turn your day around very quickly. Also, another squid tip as well is when you're packing up, don't pull your rods in to the last second until <laughs> you're about to drive up because we're wrapping up on the camera today. And I just left my rods in the water and as we're wrapping it up on the camera, Dave's like, oh my goodness, your rod's going off. And it ended up being quite a big fish, big squid. That's right. And I've got another tip for you. Yeah. Is don't let them squirt ink on your face because if you look at this, Adrian's absolutely copped it. (laughs) (laughs) I hate my life. Not that bad. It's 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 inky and watery. (laughs) You're very lucky. (laughs) It got you good. You're lucky it wasn't a full squid, a full inker. Oh, no, it was, as I was dropping it in my little live well, and as soon as I dropped it, it's just gone boof. It's like, you know, I can't really say it, but a bukkake party. <laughs> I'll say it anyway. <laughs> you, you did say it. <laughs> I don't know what you've been watching, mate, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's a funny moment from today, Adrian, copying good. it flush in the face. Yeah. Not no something good. he's not used to, so it's all good. <laughs> So, yes, spawning squid starting to happen. Good fun there. Nice close to home. Cheap option. But Bo, Bo's calling it the money shot. The money shot, that's right. It certainly is. Um, I get a lot of money for that. We've discussed that the trout have been getting stocked into the local waterways. <laughs> yes, we've already talked about that. They certainly have. So if you live a little bit away from the water and you want your kids to have a ball on school holidays, you can get them down there. And, and if you can get past Winger and crew... To get a cast in? <laughs> well, you might actually catch Winger in the lake because... You might meet him. You might meet the man. No, but you might actually catch him with your lure because he's in the water. Oh, that's right. Frolicking, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, a bit of fun there. The cod season in the rivers, I think, is just about closed, hasn't it, Adrian? Um, yeah, it's closed. As soon as uh, the spring time hits on the calendar, that's game over for River Murray Cod. For River Monsters. But yep. you can still fish Eildon. Yes, and you can still fish the stocked um, dams, I guess. That's right. They're all year fisheries. So um, so I'll, I'll definitely be doing that in the next couple of weeks to months because I, I really want to get a big monster cod on a surface lure. That yeah. is my goal. Oh, it'll be good. We'll try and get there. My tag at one metre. Tag one metre. <laughs> Let's, uh, we'll try and finish one of your... Um, yeah, journeys. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think Target 100's happening. Oh, Target 100 is still going to be complete. Well, that's why we need to just tag a couple more barrels and we'll be sweet. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, so I think that's all I've really got for the... Oh, we've got Snapper starting fire up too. Yeah, so. and that's... I guess the meaning of spring is in the air because our bays and ports come alive. They go from their wintry, dormant slumber yep. as to the, thriving... As the water temperature picks up, we're not actually quite sure where these fish are coming from. They're coming from the deep somewhere. Has anyone done any actual scientific research about where these fish come from? Uh, they have. Like how deep and where they're hiding in the winter? Well, I'm pretty sure they found that the ones that were coming from our side of the problem were coming from the west. Yeah, but where from the west? I know. It's very interesting, isn't it? Well, I know what you do say this time of year and um, Luke Smith who sent in reports from Port Ferry and that the other day has been possibly intercepting these fish is that in the deep off Portland, Port Ferry, Warrnambool, southwest this time of year, there's large congregations of snapper. Yeah, so, but where are they coming from before they make it there? That's what I want to know. Where are they hanging out in the winter time? Well, potentially in the very deep waters down that way and further well, to the west. I don't know because a lot of people are deep dropping for these blue eyes and trumpeters and I don't apuka and they're not catching snapper. So mm. where are they going? Stop do they, asking me. <laughs> do they go into a cave like a bear does in winter and just hibernate? No, well, I assume that they've just kept pushing. They've come from maybe South Australian waters or something. Okay. Who knows? But I do think that when you fish those deeper, sort of 80 to 100 metre areas off um, the southwest during the winter, they do get quite a few snappers. So perhaps they're out there in the deep. Mm, perhaps. Um, but, yeah, interesting to know. There doesn't really... There hasn't been one exploited anyway, Anyway, an offshore fishery off Western Port. I know a fair few guys get them in winter off Barwon or just before they're about to come in the bay. Yeah. But Western Port, there's nobody really getting proper snapper offshore. Well, I have. I did see a couple early last season when uh, people were fishing for gummy sharks and they got a couple. Could be a little fishery there that nobody's really exploited yet. Here, here we go. We've got, we got the captain from... Um, Finding Joe here, and he goes, we caught a monster in 70 metres of water out the front of the rip. There you so, go. There you go. And I don't know what month that is. It could have been August, July, maybe September when they're still coming in, but that's that's pretty good. Yeah. No, you definitely um, do hear of a few around Barwon and the, and the rip area this time of year um, starting to get caught on the reefs by those bo- those bottom bashing. For it's around. easy to say they're, they're coming through from Portland, but where... Are they ca- where are they hiding? That's the Listen, big question mate, I want to know. Just stop asking questions. <laughs> okay, I'll stop asking <laughs> questions. But I think it's an interesting topic because you get millions of these fish that's coming into our ports and bays. Maybe you need to start snapper champions mm. and you can work it out. You reckon I should get the government to fund me an, an organisation to start snapper champions? That's a good idea. We'll okay. talk about that. Um, yeah, if anyone does know, if anyone can reference us to some research on on the uh, migratory patterns of our snapper, that'd be cool. We'll check it out and we'll discuss it next podcast. Yeah, because it's very interesting because they behave very differently wherever you are around the country or in different countries. Because in New Zealand, they're actually like, <laughs> they they go to workups like our tuna are on. So you'll, you'll see in New Zealand, there's like gannets um, bombing onto these massive schools of pilchards. I know. And there's snapper just under those schools of pilchards. And it's like, wow. I know, what? and I watch that, and I think, geez, if that was here, you'd be trolling fifty wads. <laughs> yes, because it's that sort of life. But there, they're catching um, snapper underneath it. 
Now, um, I think that's about it for reports, Adrian. Yeah, good report. Yeah, there was a couple of good ones there, thanks to the guys who regularly send <laughs> them in. Um, now, I can't help uh, watching you, looking at this shiny thing you got on the desk here. Oh, you know me, I'm attracted you to You want to show us some show and tell here? Oh, well, look, we had a, a, a keen viewer. He's um, actually was writing onto our live stream a couple of weeks ago. He said he's got some lures to send Yeah, out. yeah, so he, he sent us a message, um, Dave Jurisic, um, Pretty sure that's how you'd pronounce that. Ick. Um, he's just starting his uh, his lure brand, uh, Bass Straight Lures, I think he's called it, which is a cool name. Um, and he said, "I'll send, I'll make one for you, boys, and I'll send it in." So, you go, Dave. Here's your lure. She's all rigged up, ready to go. We're on gonna, it to the camera. You can have a look we'll, at it on our flash camera too. We'll try to let it autofocus. There we go. There you go. So that's his red bait coloured bullet head, about eleven inches. It's focused on your head again. Oh, sorry, mate. Everyone focuses on my head. There you go. There you go. Yeah, That's so it's it's pinky ready with some greens and and all that in it. It's your classic, it's your classic um, Victorian red bait lure colour. And you've rigged it up beautifully. I've rigged it up, mate. So people will actually we may as well show this because people often ask how we rig our tuna lures. Now you can tell it's heavy the head of this lure because I just put it on the table <laughs> yeah. and it nearly punched a hole through it. <laughs> So um, she's obviously. So you want to go quite fast with that lure. She's obviously going to be good in the rough, like hanging in there nice and deep. So, so yeah, I'll quickly show you the rigging that I use. Is how I do it. Um, so that there is a Pakula Dojo. Yeah. If I can get it to focus, maybe not. Well, yeah, we'll we'll wait for it to focus, but it doesn't matter too much. No, that's the Pakula Dojo. It's a I think it's called DX or something. Thirty five is the size. Okay. So that's what I'd use for a lure of about this size. Um, always sharpen these hooks because out of the packet, they're quite often not sharp, but that's just how it is with game fishing stainless hooks. I run it on a stainless, on a steel hook set, so um, that's a wire. And, and it goes to a, uh, a swivel for a stop, is that right? Yep, so it's on a swivel rig. So we run a swivel and then obviously a, a crimp uh, to your main leader there, which is 200-pound moi moi. Um, which I find to be pretty good, unless you're Adrian and you get bitten off by a big tuna. Mm, yeah, it was interesting. But generally, that's quite a good size to be using. Um, and yeah, so that's how we do it. I, I run the the trace the steel hook set like that because um, to give a little bit of that bite protection. Yeah, and sometimes I'll get it down really deep, and it's um, doesn't help. But I do find it to be to be good normally. Yeah, especially if you hook it in the corner jaw, I think that wire's going to give it a, a lot of protection on their sharp teeth because they are quite sharp, some of these tuna teeth. They are very sharp. And they need to be because they just slice and dice through pilchards and arrow squid and nautilus shells and it's crazy. That's right. So, yeah, there you go. Thank you for sending that in, Dave. We'll definitely give it a run. Um, I can pretty much guarantee you it's going to catch fish. I mean, I do feel that uh, if you run anything long enough... <laughs> <laughs> they're likely to eat it because they they aren't super fussy at times. They'll eat a pretty wide variety, but that one definitely looks like a good lure. Well, we've, we've certainly seen it this year because we've run one lure spreads and hooked barrels and large tuna and. Yeah, I mean, obviously some lures outperform others, but it's uh, it's it's interesting. Everyone has their favourites, and that one looks like it's um it's going to be a bit of a winner. So absolutely, we'll give it a run and see how it goes. So thanks for that. Um, well, while I'm uh, enjoying my squid fishing and. Cod fishing and snapper fishing. Dave's going to keep going for barrels for the rest of the year. Yeah. No, well, I'll come cod fishing. Okay. If the weather's crap. <coughs> it's, it's, I just enjoy it, Adrian. I know? know you do. 
So, yeah, uh, thanks for that. And that concludes that portion of the podcast. Oh. We can move on to <laughs> the questions that have been sent in. Here we go. We've got questions. We do, I believe. Some have you got to grind my gear this week, Dave? Nah, have you? I kind of do, but it's not fishing related, but it kind of... Yeah, go know. on. Hit the... Okay. Hit it. Oops. I've done the wrong one. I've done you. <laughs> <laughs> You've done my hookup segment Yeah, one. I have. But yeah, I do have a um, grind my gear, so... Right. Go to Peter Griffin for, you know what really grinds my gears? Thanks, Tom. You know what really grinds my gears? Okay, so this morning when I was driving to the boat ramp, it was still quite, you know, the lights are trickling up and... It's still quite dark. Mm. And you go behind cars and you just go, what the hell is that on the road? A bloody lit cigarette. Oh, mate. This day and age, that is just unacceptable. I know. You just don't like, do that. Like, surely that was accepted in, you know, 20 years ago. Like, it was a normal thing. But come on, a lit cigarette out the window. I know. You, you, it's, it and it's so obvious belief. in the, you know, in the dark. <laughs> hey, people just don't have any respect for... The environment or other people around them sometimes. Very it's, disappointing. It's, it's a flame. It can set shit on fire. Surely, sure, it's been wet for a couple of weeks. But I know. It's just a bad habit to be in. And, and not only that, but cigarette butts don't really biodegrade. No. So, butt it out, people. It's a really good grinds my gears, Adrian. It was a grind my gear. I can get on board with that it. one. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> All right, so, you've you got the questions. Yeah. Um, Joe was going to make us a little song intro. We'll get him to do that next time. <laughs> Something along the lines of, hit me with your questions, fire away. <laughs> oh, shit, Dave. Don't go Joe will do it better. Joe will do it better. Uh, so, uh, Shell's actually written that that picture gives off the hashtag cream pie feels because oh. <laughs> of the squid squirting. Oh, there you Not go. a question, but just thought I'd read that comment. Um. Here's a good one from Jonah. Good conversational piece, Adrian. When and how did Dave meet Adrian? Do you remember the moment it happened? And same question for when you both met Joey. Oh, okay. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. Was it love at first sight? I actually remember the moment um, I met Dave. I actually hadn't fished with him ever. And the first time I kind of fished with him was in 2015 or 16. I can't quite remember. It was one of those years. It was when we were grinding on swordfish and I was attempting to catch a swordfish with my mate Rodney Gillum. And I was going out every couple of weeks with him in his extreme and then he had an accident where he broke his shoulder. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I just remembered about that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he, he broke his shoulder and and then I started just going out with Scott Henning on Rodney's boat. But can we quickly say how? <laughs> he, was yeah, he was trying to get fit at the gym. You got a, you got a bit and, overzealous at the gym, and, and um, <laughs> I think a female got on the agility test like thirteen seconds. He and he tried to beat that, and he got to the end line, and he's just kept going into a brick wall or a stud wall, a plaster wall. He went through the plaster wall, and his shoulder um, hit a stud in the plaster wall, and it just kind of broke it and jumped out of place. So he literally charged straight through the wall. Shane wants to know where Joe is. Joe is prioritising selling things above, or possibly the band, I'm not sure. Yeah, he's, he's too committed on other things. I'm going to vote him out for that. <laughs> yeah, so um, Rodney broke his shoulder and I started just fishing for the swords of Scott and I think at this time Brendan had kind of given up on trying to catch a sword because he'd done so many fishless trips and I think... Uh, 
Rodney kind of mentioned, oh, my mate Dave is catching swords and he needs crew. Why don't you go with him? Yeah. And so I think um, Dave messaged me on uh, Facebook or something and I kind of said, oh, yeah, let's go. And that was the first time I met him. And yeah. we fish, and we've been fishing together ever since because um, I think Brendan had a couple of surgeries too and Dave wasn't fishing with Brendan either because of that. And well, look, basically, I broke everyone. Yeah. I outlasted everyone on the swordfish because we failed for so many years and um, ran out of crew because <laughs> everyone had given up. And then, yeah, that's when uh, Adrian came in and I actually didn't really – I thought you lived down Rodney's way because I'd already, always seen you fishing with him. Yeah, yeah, I'd done a couple of snapper, marlin and yeah, sword yeah. stuff with him. and Down at Terrelgan. So when yeah. he said that you actually lived in Frankston at the time, I was like, oh, it's actually down my way. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how we uh, got together and started fishing and here we are. And we studio. reinvented the wheel in fishing and we became great megastars. No, that's right. Just jokes. We haven't done that yet. We caught the world's <laughs> first swordfish and never looked back. <laughs> no, well, it was funny because um, we'd done swords and we caught some swords together. And then that exact year, Brendan still hadn't really got into fishing because he was still injured. And me and Dave started fishing the Mulloway mark and... We caught the world's biggest mulloway. Yeah, we certainly seem to to achieve some uh, good captures together. Yeah. So, and we still are, I think. <laughs> um, so TB2F has sent in, uh, whose idea was it to chase squid, not tuna day? Is that a sign you guys are getting excited for snapper? <laughs> um, that was Adrian's idea. I, I, think, thought- I think Shane's written into you as well, Dave. At what point did you consummate the relationship? Um, well, Dave, well, bent, over, Dave w- bent over and he agreed that I was able to go in. No. He was the receiver. That's horrible, Adrian. <laughs> um, but I can recall. It was a nice little hotel at Malacuta, I believe. Oh, yes. <laughs> it that? actually was. It was called the Blue Wren. The Blue Wren, that's right. The, the Blue, Blue Wren. Wren. Shane, there you go. That's a great little place to stay if you're ever at Malacuta. I think that place actually got burnt down, believe it or not. Um, That's probably for the best. So, no, but <laughs> I think we were the only people that were in that joint at that time. Yeah, possibly. I think it was the population of that street was us, the Blue Wren hotel staff, and then the 30 kangaroos in the street. That's right. Um, yes, very rude, Shane. And with Joey, how did I meet Joey? Joey, I just kind of met from... Oh, I forgot about that part ...him of just jumping on the boat... Um, when Dave or Brendan would go fishing, I'd never really met him or communicated with him before, um, yeah, he started just jumping on the boat and we became friends from then. Yeah. Um, Joe actually came into the scene because he was Brendan's cameraman briefly. So Brendan held like an Australian Idol type audition for, <laughs> <laughs> for camera people and uh, Joe applied with it. Joe a, was a mega fan, wasn't he? Oh, he was definitely, yeah, he was keen. Because he, uh, he used to come to the Brendan's talk nights and stuff, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think he basically put in an application with a video of him catching carp in Dandenong Creek or Dandenong <laughs> whatever that is, the waterway there. And um, he never looked back. So, yeah, I met Joe through him filming with Brendan pretty much. And there you go. One of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He is very nice. So, not he, really committed enough to the podcast, but... <laughs> 
Hey, he's got a lot of commitments going on. He's got a bit going on. I'll he's slapping you. the base. He's um, um. What else is he doing? He's, re- he's being ordering, a real estate agent. He's ordering salads from pubs. He is. <laughs> we went to the pub after the podcast the other day, and Joe ordered himself a nice little uh, salad. Yeah. Uh, it was just, what was it? A Caesar salad without chicken. No, it was a chicken Caesar salad at a pub. Somehow the salad came out 20 minutes after our cooked meals yeah. and was missing the chicken. So Joe, Joe requested the chicken be added. By the time the chicken came out, he'd eaten his salad and he just had a little bowl of chicken. Well, there you go. So that's the kind of guy Joe is. But yeah, no, he's a great guy, Joe. So that's how we met him. Uh Next question. Are you reading a Adrian or me? I don't have any questions on my screen whatsoever, uh, Dave. Good stuff, champ. Classic. I'm too busy trying to keep this connected. Too busy exiting the live stream. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jonah also sent in, what is the biggest squid you have caught? What's the biggest squid you've heard caught? Okay. Calamari only. This is interesting because I've caught about maybe 10 to 15 Southern Calamaris and I can't get over that 47 centimetre mark. So I've caught about 10 to 15 on around that size. Really? 47 centimetre hood. And you do hear, oh, I caught a 50, but I've never seen one to measure one. Yeah. Um, I reckon probably the biggest I've caught is 46 multiple times. Oh, you haven't caught a 47 before? Maybe I'm not stretching them out as far as you are, Adrian. Maybe I'm too <laughs> honest. I've caught a lot around that size. Yeah. Um, yeah, the actual 50 centimetre hood colour is very rare, especially around our way. Yeah. Um, but I have seen some... So the biggest I've heard caught have actually been from... I think it's like the Warrigal Fishing Club held a competition at uh, Cleveland Bight down okay. there at San Remo so one year. Basically offshore. Oh, yeah, near the entrance yeah. there. And there was a few weighed in that were absolutely massive... 100% over 50 centimetre hoods. and Oh, wow. They were weighed and measured, so, obviously. So. so you used to fish um, Eggy Bear's squid tournaments, didn't you? I did one of them, yeah. And when they used how to did you go with that? Did you win? Yeah, we won. You won? We won the one round we did, yeah. There yeah. you go. So you tried to set it up like a, um, a brim tournament style thing where you weigh bags in and... Yeah, um, it was a good idea. So, yeah, similar to a brim, tor- brim tournament nationwide. But, um, yeah, I just don't think it got the participation needed and probably the funding that it required. But be a cool thing to see happen again one day. We, um, Sh- Shane a- said, did you win a team squid event, Dave? Yeah, mate. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> it was your team. I think did. that's what he's trying to get to. Um, Someone to caught 50 squid. Caught a 50, oh, a 50 squid. Today at Flinders. There Everyone get down to Flinders. There's 50 centimetre hood squid there. Never caught a 50 centimetre hood, I can honestly say that. Me either. I reckon I've had one on because I had a couple of 47s lined up and then a seal grabbed this mega one I had on and all I had was just the head and the head was bigger than the 47 centimetre heads. Yeah. So I reckon that was my 50 that the seal got. Have we got rain coming through the audio or something? No. Oh, okay. Sounds funny to me. Uh, next question is, can you confirm who invented the local barrel fishery from Nigel Arcan? Um, <laughs> well, I think the first one, I can't... No. Wasn't it Cam White? No. Oh, yeah. Cam, Cam well, White, go. in 2014, Yes. Um, he was fishing for gummies off Cape Shank and he saw a bust up and was trolling on his little Talica 
You've kind of changed the story. Oh, have I? What okay. actually happened was he was, fish- it was in April. I played Chinese whispers. Classic. It was in April he was fishing for kingfish at Cape Shank and a tuna ate his live bait. And uh, a big tuna, and he fought it for hours on his kingfish gear and eventually lost it. Wasn't it like a Talica 12 or something? Or Yeah, it was light, fairly light gear, yeah. so he had it on for a long time and then ended up losing it. But then um, I think it was like 2015 we had the p- first proper run of barrels come through um, that were caught in that region. And, um, yeah, I don't know the name of the guy, but someone went out of Western Port, Flinders Bank caught one, and then the rest was history. Yeah, but... We're, we're not counting the 70s or 80s. There could have been a prolific uh, tuna fishery out there no. that we don't even know about. That's right. We, well, there's we legends only... that we don't know, even know about. No, that's true. We're only speaking about what we know There of. was no social medias. There was no, you know, people wouldn't even put that in the newspaper, so who knows? That's right. Um, yeah, so I think to finish up on, Joel W. just said, when will the first snapper hunt happen? Adrian, you've, lock, you've locked in a time, haven't you? For what? For the first snapper trip. Uh, I'm not quite sure yet. I'll see what happens. I thought you've made the claim. You're not going until our particular spot, to, until you go to our particular oh, spot on a particular day. Yeah, yeah, Equinox. On the Equinox. Scott Henning has said, when are you going to get a barrel out of your tinny? Uh, Miss opportunity today. Well, Scott, you'll be pleased to know that it has caught a barrel. Yeah, <laughs> it's come on, a hun- Scott. It's caught a 100 kilo tuna. It was 101 kilo, which Dave wound in. Rats, Dave, and it also caught a 70 kilo one the day before. And it has lost one off the back of Phillip Island. It though. has. It's actually lost a couple of fish. That's true. Yeah. Hey. When are you going to get one in your tinny, Scott? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, thanks for the input, Scott. We yeah, love no, it. We love the interaction. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, and thank you for the questions. And uh, apologies again for the little interruption in the show there, but we got her back on track and hopefully we can uh, splice the audio back together for the, the uh, audio listeners and it'll be yeah, absolutely seamless. I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I closed the browser in the last room before. Um, Scott Henning is saying he'll probably never get one in his tinny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Scott. I didn't mean to make you sad. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks, guys, for listening. It was a quite eventful uh, podcast we've put out here tonight. And look, we uh, we ha- we got kept on our toes. Hopefully, we re- recovered all right there, and it was um, okay for you guys. So, thanks for sticking with it, and we'll see you next week. What's up, you bloody legends? Thanks for listening to Win Against Tide again. That's it for another episode. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'd be doing us a massive favor. Thanks, guys.